Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
פני שבת לקבלה, לך דודי ליקת קלה, פני שבת לקבלה.
הזמן לא לפחיד משום דבר, להרגיש שרק אפשר פשוט לשמוח, להתחבא למה שטוב, למה שיש, לצעוק בקול גדול, אסור להתייאש. הקצב מנהגים מרים לי את הלב, רוצה לקול חזק, בכל הכוח. אני רוצה לעוף לצעוק ולבקש, מזכיר לי שאומרים שבי בוערת אש, בי בוערת אש. בואו נרקוד, בואו נשמח, נרים עכשיו כוסים לחיים, ביחד חזק, שירו איתי, כי זה הזמן לרקוד וסבורה, בואו נרקוד, בואו נשמח, נרים עכשיו כוסים
Mordechai Shapiro, brand new here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, you heard Michal Przanski's Bo'u, Hua Lokenu, done by Eitan Katz. The Moshav Band had Lachad Odi, Mordechai Shapiro with Hakomi Shamayim, and of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this 13th of December, day 15 in the month of Kislev, smack in the middle of this great month, and just 10 days away from the big holiday. Oh, yes, Hanukkah is wonderful. And we get to uh, and we get to uh, celebrate ten days from now on the twenty fifth of Kislev. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach. Candle lighting in New York at four oh eight. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And I thank all of you for tuning in from around the world and listening in to JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. It's been a great week for us so far here on the air. Uh, not the greatest of weeks for the Jewish community, however. Uh, with the uh, collective Jewish pain that's been experienced by what happened in Jersey City. And um, we had on the air, of course, yesterday, Dr. Norman Blumenthal to address the entire issue in terms of how to uh, approach the uh, aftermath of the horror with our children and grandchildren. And um, we've been speaking about the incredible chesed that the Jewish world has done for uh, our brothers and sisters and for others in the broader community who were involved in this episode and whose lives were taken. And um, later this morning, we'll have an opportunity to speak about this and anti-Semitism in general and the reaction of the uh, President of the United States with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll be with us at 7.40 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. I am sure he'll have plenty to say about the Israeli election, about the British election, and of course, we'll start with Jersey City and the um, the ideas, notions, important facts that Jews should keep in mind, especially those of us who continue to live here in the United States. 39 degrees outside with showers today and a high of 50. Rain tonight, low 49. Rainy Shabbos with a high tomorrow, 57 degrees. Right now, 54 in Yerushalayim. We're at 39 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. We're on the road uh, during December, courtesy of Aaron's Casino Farms. I'll be there today. Come and say hi. 72-15 Casino Boulevard in Flushing in Aaron's West Orange at 629 Eagle Rock Avenue in West Orange, New Jersey. Um, Aaron's brings you our on-the-road programming, which will continue through the month of December with some amazing locations for uh, radio broadcasts. Uh, so a big thank you to Aaron's from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also a reminder, our friends at Art Scroll, we spent a lot of time this week with our friends at Art Scroll. Miriam Pascal's uh, brand new cookbook is out. She was here yesterday. Until Sunday, if you uh, use the promo code radio, it's 20% off and free shipping for Miriam's cookbook. 20% off and free shipping between now and Sunday if you use the promo code radio at artscroll.com. Use the promo code radio at artscroll.com, and um, you'll be well taken care of. Well taken care of uh, in terms of um, the discount and the uh, offer for free shipping. Oh, yes. Uh, yesterday we told you about um, a series in Teaneck, Series Wigs, Teaneck, New Jersey, They've got a uh, an amazing sale coming up a week from Sunday. A week from Sunday, series of Teaneck 
has a special Hanukkah sale on the 22nd of December from 9 in the morning until 12 noon at 634 Cumberland Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. And I mentioned uh, how amazing uh, Sari's wigs of Teaneck has been for the um, Shetel Gemach run by Stacy Siegel in memory of my mother. And uh, we want to make sure that they are as successful as possible because they've been amazing to us and for so many others in the community. So Sunday, December 22nd, there'll be Shetel's Falls, Keepa Falls, Pony Wigs. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram, Sari's Wigs, S-A-R-I-S Wigs, for additional uh, additional Hanukkah deals. Uh, Sari and her staff are very hands-on during the sale. You're not left alone. They'll help you pick out the perfect wig for you. And um, and that's happening on the 22nd of December in the morning, Sunday morning in Teaneck, New Jersey. Information about all of this, you can contact Sari's Wigs of Teaneck at 201 694 5319 201-694-5319, 201-694-5319. Again, the sale, the 22nd of December from 9 until noon at 634 Cumberland Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. And we thank Sari's Wigs of Teaneck, New Jersey. Erev Shabbos on this Parsha's Vayishlach. Candle lighting at 408, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Malcolm Holmline is coming up. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 815. Another opportunity to do chesed coming up before the end of our show today. We'll explain all that here at JM and the AM. An action-packed show. Feel free to comment on our app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. We uh, certainly appreciate uh, all the feedback we get on our app, and we've had some amazing app comments, frankly, recently. Uh, so feel free to uh, to comment and to let us know uh, what you want to hear, etc. Etc. Uh, listener Silky wants to know if there's a fund set up for the Spanish worker who was killed in the Jersey City attack. Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking there is. Um, or, oh, maybe I'm thinking differently. I know that there was an, an effort to collect um, a food and supplies for his family to keep them going in the immediate aftermath of this uh, shocking uh, you know, jolt to their family. So I know that was going on. Whether there's an actual cash fund or not, we will try uh, to find out. And again, if you want to comment on the app or answer that question or anything, it's uh, uh, the NSN Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. And I thank you all for participating. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with Ohad.
the voice.
J.M. in the A.M., maybe not exactly the Kalbach Mimkomcha, meaning we had a request for the Kalbach Mimkomcha, but I think that listener may have meant Shlomo Kalbach singing it, but that's pretty close. That's uh, Chazen Yanki Lemmer with the Kalbach Mimkomcha here at J.M. in the A.M. Usher Sharf and Sons with our Shomer Shabbos. You heard Shlomo Katz with Hine Anochi. Shalshelis Jr. in there and Tov Lahodos, Levado done by Ohad here 
at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. I remind everybody that coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, right after <coughs> JM in the AM, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, Joy Wilson of Joy of Cakes, and Jamie Geller will both be guests. Jamie will talk about J-Chef kosher meal kits. Joy will speak about Joy of Cakes. And Naomi, of course, is going to host the show starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here uh, on the Nachum Siegel Network. So that's at 9 o'clock this morning. 10 o'clock for the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Erev Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Harry Rothenberg's video blog, approximately 1 p.m. Eastern time, about this week's Parsha. And uh, and that will round out our schedule uh, for this week. Don't forget tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. And then on Sunday, it's JM Sunday, live with Matis between 7 and 9 a.m. Monday morning, we're back here at JM in the a.m. And 6.13, the group 6.13 is expected in studio Monday morning here at JM in the a.m. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Remember, you could sponsor part or all of a JM in the a.m. broadcast by going to fjbunity.org fjbunity.org. You could sponsor in uh, memory of somebody, in honor of somebody, whatever the case may be. Our friends at Art School remind you that Miriam Pascal's brand new cookbook is available with the radio promo code right now through Sunday at 20% off and free shipping. Get 20% off and free shipping on Miriam Pascal's brand new cookbook. Go to artscroll.com. Use promo code radio. Simple as that, huh? And that is good until Sunday night here in the Eastern Time Zone. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Friday is next. Boker Tov from JMM.
in the a.m. 22 minutes after 7 o'clock. Lots of great music this morning, I must say. Um, Friday morning on this 13th of December, day 15 in the month of Kislev. Getting closer and closer to the holiday of Hanukkah. Tzarev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach with candle lighting time at 4.08 here in the New York area. 39 degrees, showers, and a high temperature of 50. Looks like a lot of rain in this area over Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, scheduled for 7.40 Eastern time this morning here at JM and the AM. 
Rabbi Yudin coming up at 8.15. Naomi Nachman after JM in the AM at 9 a.m. with the uh, Table for Two program. And a full day, of course, on the network. And Fridays are an incredible day to stay tuned in uh, at uh, 10 o'clock. The Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Our Erev Shabbos Music Mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Um, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel of Rami and uh, Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's a Matis and JM Sunday, 7 until 9 a.m. We're on the road during the month of December. Aaron's Casino Farms uh, uh, on Casino Boulevard in Flushing, New York, and Aaron's West Orange, Eagle Rock Avenue in West Orange, New Jersey. Uh, they bring you the uh, December on the road programming. We still have shows this month coming up in uh, West Orange, in Brooklyn, in Teaneck, and we're looking forward to bringing those to you here at JM in the AM. Our friends at Art Scroll remind you that Miriam Pascal's brand new cookbook is available for 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com, go to artscroll.com, use the promo code radio, and uh, you'll be all set for a 20% discount and free shipping on Miriam Pascal's brand new cookbook. And by the way, as we always say, always use the promo code radio. <laughs> always use it because you have no idea. Uh, <laughs> You have no idea how uh, how beneficial it could be, even in a in a situation that we haven't discussed here on the air. Um, someone wants to hear Vaniska from the All Star album. Wow, let's see if we could find that. Uh, Shabbat Shalom to all from the AJA Carpool Number Two Fifty Five. Thank you, listener Daniel and company. Um, the Rimmel family, as you heard, were in that tragic car accident in Israel. Uh, if you want to help, it's helprimmel.com, H-E-L-P-R-I-M-E-L.com. That's where you can find information about helping, and we will be uh, speaking with a representative of the family a little bit over an hour from now here at JM&AM, trying to help with that situation. A lot of situations where people need help, that's for sure. Uh, kudos to all those who've been stepping up the, uh, the chesed in the Jersey City situation, providing food for the local families, etc., it's amazing to see the reaction, Baruch Hashem. Um, and the mayor of Jersey City is going to join us, Bezrat Hashem, Monday or Tuesday here on this program. Uh, Yisrael Werdiger with Yisrael Biyachad. You heard Yom Zef first by Baruch Levine and then Miami Mizrach. Shalshelis Jr. had Yaf Yafisa and Udi Davidi with Yom Shabbason here on a uh, Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. This is brand new from Mordechai Shapiro. Again, weekly update with Malcolm Holmline with everything. Israel, Britain, Jersey City, Washington. It's all coming up at uh, 740 Eastern Time here at JM in the AM.
sing along if you know it. from Aryeh Kunzler heard Milach Cohen's Via Hafta and Kidei that was uh, Mordechai Shapiro brand new here at JM in the AM Friday morning hour of Shabbos remember our friends at JewishWorldReview.com you get an opportunity to check out hundreds of articles about Israel and the Jewish world if you visit there and then if you want you can print them out before Shabbos and have them at the ready yeah why not be as informed as possible um, go to JewishWorldReview.com JewishWorldReview.com and to check it out uh, today, I want to thank the mayor of Jersey City. He's been in touch with us on a regular basis, an old friend, as many of you recall, from our days in Jersey City. And he'll join us likely Monday, if not, well, either Monday or Tuesday on the air here at JM in the AM. And um, obviously, as we uh, get set to introduce Malcolm in our weekly update segment, uh, he joins us, he meaning Malcolm, joins us and everybody in uh in a morning, the uh, the victims of this horrific episode in Jersey City that all of us have been focused on, and as we always say, the collective Jewish heart, and really the heart of all good people around the world in this case, the collective Jewish heart um, in tremendous pain in the aftermath of all of this as um, members of our greater community 
uh, were murdered in Jersey City in this episode this past Tuesday. And we'll discuss, obviously, the episode and a whole bunch of other stuff coming up in uh, just a moment here at JM in the AM. Uh, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update Fridays here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. As always, good to be with you. And good Erev Shabbos to everyone. Appreciate that. As uh, anybody who travels to Israel regularly, anybody obviously who lives in Israel, listening in Israel, there's a uh, a certain way of life that has uh, uh, become uh, a regular way of life, and that's when you walk into any restaurant or public space, synagogue, etc. Chances are you will be encountered by uh, some member of uh, a security detail, whether it's obvious or not. In some cases, obviously, army, etc. It's obvious. In other cases, it may not be as obvious. Uh, when we first traveled um, uh, to Europe back uh, about four years ago, one of the first impressions I had was uh, I, we, we literally went to, to the first shul so I could say Kaddish. I was saying Kaddish that year. And uh, the synagogue, a regular synagogue on a regular weekday, was guarded by uh, you know um, by army personnel with you know armed to the teeth, so to speak. And that, as you can attest to, in a certain European uh, cities is you know quite common. And now we're in the aftermath of what happened in Jersey City, and we think to Poway, and we think to uh, Pittsburgh, of course, and all the victims in the last 18 months, and, and victims, of course, across the country in, uh, in episodes that are similar to this and all the other anti-Semitic uh, incidents that are occurring, uh, some reported and some, unfortunately, not reported. And I ask you, Malcolm, are we getting to the point now where um, any identifiably Jewish institution is not only going to have to have its own inner workings when it comes to security, you speak about scan, etc., and different ways that people can secure their synagogues and schools, but are we getting to the point where government officials are going to need uh, to bring the police forces, local police forces, and possibly even, like in countries around the world, uh, army personnel to come and guard these locations? Well, first of all, we all feel the tragedy and identify with the families uh, of those who, who were killed and the, um, you know, a lot to, to examine about how some of the media coverage, and, and especially initially, they talked about the bodega that was hit and, the, and not identifying any of the victims or what was really happening there. The... Um, um, the tragedy for the Asomim, the orphans, uh, uh, three orphans that are left behind, um, and, of course, the family of the police officer. So that's first thing. Uh, second, the lessons that we derive from every one time something happens is to, to look at how what steps could have been taken to prevent it, and probably nothing. Uh, when if somebody is hell bent on this kind of an attack, they're going to carry it out. And you saw the the level of weaponry and what they've done, and they may have killed people before the, the person uh, over the weekend. And the the question that you ask is going to become a reality. It's not going to be the army and and police that are going to be able to do it. They can do some parts of it, but frankly, it's going to take the private resources and that every institution is going to carry a burden, hopefully be assisted by some government funds as we get today for uh, equipment and for uh, security measures. But it's not 
it's it's uh, it's such a huge undertaking. What they do in Europe uh, is possible because a number of institutions generally are pretty limited, and and even there, the security measures are not sufficient, as we have seen uh, too often, uh, and the laws also are different. So the the answer is that every institution is going to have to examine, and and this goes for commercial institutions establishments as well, their situation and how they take the maximum precautions. It is not, uh, there is no 100% foolproof method, and the um, but the expenditure will will take a toll on the community, and and I hope uh, government leaders are are thinking about this as well. I know. NYPD created a new unit uh, this week to deal more with right-wing, uh, far-right extremists and neo-Nazis. According to the reports, it's a racially and ethnically motivated extremism. Uh, hopefully, it'll deal with all sources of uh, hatred uh, and anti-Semitism. Uh, but the but they identified groups like Proud Boys and Adam Waffen and Oath Keepers, who are more right-wingers, the Free Percenters. Uh, and the, the, we have seen the events around the country carried out by right wing, but in this case, it is not. Nor is it a case of white supremacy, as Congresswoman Tlaib alleged in her outrageous uh, tweet, which she later uh, dropped, but did not issue another condemnation after that of those responsible. Uh, for the attack in Jersey City, it is pretty amazing how uh, the, those who are uh, you know the, the, the uh, perpetrators in this case um, who who are not identifiably or really even you know <laughs> politically uh, associated with any type of right wing group. It's funny how all people speak about in the aftermath of this episode is uh, right wing anti semitism, and and to, to the point by the way, I don't even know if you. Um, you saw this, but uh, you know the executive director of the ADL um, decided this was a good time to condemn Fox News for it, for its rhetoric uh, in light of the uh, Jersey City episode, and that I thought that was re- even I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to you know publicly say that there may not be legitimacy to what he's saying because especially he's not here to defend himself, but I thought it was pretty ill timed. What do you think? I did not see it, so I can't comment on what he what was said. Um, uh, I know that they've been very involved with the coverage of the issue um, of the developments in, New- in Jersey City. But overall, I think there is a point to, to and a recognition that has to become commonplace amongst people that there's right wing, left wing, minority, Muslim, other sources, and that each one is serious and each one has to be addressed, and that it can't get caught in the political. The, the political atmosphere and divisiveness and polarization and politicization of the time that we have to look at you hatred for what it is and we shouldn't anti-semitism is as you know i believe too too antiseptic a term that was created i think to diminish the seriousness of jew hatred yep. and that there has to be clear uh, delineations we have to see the ira definition that the minimum applied as as we saw this week we have to see uh, the commitment on the part of police. We have to see the judges hand out serious sentences for these crimes. We're seeing more of it in Europe. But 
Last week in Europe, we saw the exoneration uh, on the grounds of insanity of, the, of Mrs. Khalimi's killer, of a killer in, in the Netherlands. I mean, it's, they're ridiculous. It's, it's, uh, what is the message? So you go and kill a, a Jewish woman, throw her through a window, yell Quranic phrases, and then you claim insanity. Uh, and the, we have to see to it that no more slaps on the wrist, that there has to be real punishment for these crimes. They have to be taken seriously, hate crimes. Uh, I would say that elected officials across the board, you know, have spoken out and most have put resources and uh, some have created uh, task forces and other things to to, uh, coordinate the efforts and to underscore them. But the fact is that it has to go beyond statistic collection and beyond just speeches. It has to be a serious cross-the-board effort and, frankly, not by the Jewish community. We have to protect our institutions and communities, but... It has to be the rest of society, because Jews are the, not the perpetrators, we're the victims. Yeah. All right, here's the quote. I won't ask you to comment on it, because I suspect it would put you in an uncomfortable position, but here's the quote. Uh, the ADL's Jonathan Greenblatt, according to the Huffington Post, Mary Pappenfuss, said, quote, sentiments being expressed on Fox, both subtle and blunt, contribute to anti-Semitism being normalized in our society, and I found it ironic that they're being called out in light of what happened this week and who the perpetrators were. By the way, what do you know about the black Hebrews? What can you tell us about them and their anti-Semitism? Well, if you often can see them on the streets um, propagating their their hate message, uh, and this is uh, as has long been identified by the some uh, conference by um, by ADL by others as a, as a hate group and. Uh, they have members uh, in New York and New Jersey and other parts of the country. Um, it's not as well known as other groups, uh, as, uh, let's say Farrakhan, because they don't have a singular leader that stands out. But it's a it's a hate group that um, that I hope will now be watched with greater uh, clarity. And you know the, the the fact that Fox was mentioned is there weren't was an incident on on Fox that was very troubling, as there is in the other media. And it's not that's why I'm saying that we can't get getting caught in right wing left wing we have to say that this is a disease it's a cancer it's a pandemic that crosses from europe from and around the world everywhere uh, the fact that you know uh, what happened in england if you look it's not just corbyn half the members of the labor party when when uh, polled exhibited anti-semitic attitudes yeah so it's got to be rooted out at everywhere um I assume you saw the video. Uh, I, I think it's an impromptu video of uh, residents of Jersey City speaking about the aftermath and the episode itself that happened. Uh, ironically, many of them blaming the Jews, uh, many black people blaming the Jews in an episode where blacks murdered Jews. Um, and, and the reason I bring this up, and I know the video, you know, we, we could talk about that video from a lot of different angles, you know, for a while, but the reason I bring it up is because I think it's vital. And you know my attitude when it comes to the future of the Jewish people. I always say it. It's in the state of Israel. But I think it's vital for people to understand. And it might only be ignorant people, but unfortunately there are a lot of ignorant people in this country and everywhere. Uh, I think it's important for people to understand the deep-rooted feelings that people, uh, the average person might have toward Jews and how uneducated people, and especially those who don't have regular good um, um, uh, interaction with Jews, you know, draw their own conclusions and say some outrageous things. With that in mind, your reaction to their reaction to this episode. 
So the the thing that I think has exacerbated the problem, not created it, because I think it's always there. It's a cancer that you know can be more visible, less visible, is the internet, which gives everybody and especially young people access to the most hateful messages and the the number of sites in the thousands and. You know, I think Facebook has 1,700 people monitoring the sites, and they can't root it out because they come and they, and I have seen this, uh, uh, how they, they manufacture, and you have governments behind them like Iran, like Hamas, like um, uh, Palestinian Authority, others who are behind uh, the creation of a lot of these anti-Semitic websites. It's a lot of manipulation of of the reactions that you see sometimes, let's say, when people's movie stars go to, to Israel and or performers and they get bombarded a lot of that is manufactured but the internet gives them an anonymity and enables them to spread the hateful messages it took hitler months to spread a big lie today it's right. done in nanoseconds right so this is a big change and and nobody has come up with a, a real solution uh, yet to this that's why schools that's why there has to be clear messages from religious leaders from political leaders from uh, entertainers from everybody saying this is not acceptable they have to identify with the jewish people they have to you know make it an unpopular thing that it's not cool to be an anti-semite you see in the schools the, the Nazi salutes at different graduations and around the country are putting it up on a school, an, a swastika up on a school uh, lamp, uh, what do you call it, a flagpole. Um, it just, if you see every day the reports we see of how many incidents there are, how many uh, times that people, there are attacks. And and there's also the general climate that is, is disturbing. Malcolm, I need you to say it. I need you to say it to everybody, and everyone knows your family history in terms of the Shoah. I need you to say it that you know if it took Hitler a certain number of years to get from point A to point B, today, as you just described with the nanoseconds, today it, it is a much shorter route from one point to the next. And with that in mind, people really need to think about the collective Jewish future and the individual future of all Jewish families in this country and everywhere in the diaspora. Would you not think that's a, a, a good suggestion to make? I, I believe it. I think it. I say it. Um, again, I don't think that we should talk about Aliyah as a, an escape. I think it should be a positive gesture to fulfillment of a, of a Jew to live in Israel. Uh, uh, you know, we say, we don't want to see people go back because of tragedies and stuff. They're going back. Uh, it should be um, but, that the, we have to go standing up, upright, but, but we have to recognize that the that the future may well be there. That but, but, I think a lot but, of European Jews today realize but set aside, that the future set, yeah. is, not, is not in Europe. But at the same time, to recognize the amazing declaration this week by the president. But one second, I, one second, one second. We'll get to the president. But set aside Israel for a moment. Don't people have to recognize that, that as much as they think the United States is different, even different than France and Great Britain today, and much different than Germany in the 30s, isn't it important for people like us to remind everybody that every generation always thought that their homeland where they were was different. And even though there's a certain comfort level here in the United States, we have to keep in mind that there's been no exception when it comes to how these diasporas and diaspora in certain countries end. Yes. Okay. President of the United States, explain to us what he did and why it's so significant on the subject of anti-Semitism. 
Well, I had the privilege to be there when he signed it at the uh, Hanukkah party, and uh, it's amazing how before it was even out, the media and certain elements criticized him and, again, politicized a move which the Senate passed unanimously and uh, and it failed on procedural grounds in the House that for two years the Anti-Semitism Awareness Act was being sought. So they... Uh, in the White House, several people, including Jared Kushner and Avi Berkowitz and others, worked to get the uh, get the president to sign an executive order, which he proudly did and spoke beautifully for people who see it online. That the um, it, to make it clear that Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 applies to discrimination against Jews as well. Many universities were saying it doesn't cover Jews. It covers racial groups, color groups, national origin. And this says to federal agencies, and especially Department of Education, to enforce Title VI protections to Jewish students, especially on campuses. And, and every agency is, is to examine its enforcement authority, see how it can best be leveraged to fight anti-Semitism. It does not declare it a nationality. It doesn't do some of the other things that, that people said and drawing comparisons to the 30s. And I mean, it just, uh, it's sometimes inconceivable that the, uh, and we've seen, you know, with the rise of anti-Semitism, this enables us and enables those who fight anti-Semitism, to, and especially kids on campus, to be able to go and hold universities to account. And they risk then their funding under uh, under this uh, as a result of this executive order. It's hard to believe that this wasn't in place beforehand. It, 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 for people like myself, I was surprised to hear that the that you know that that Jews were not in the you know did not have the full coverage let's say that other groups may have had in this well, regard th- th- there there have been actions uh, since in the last 2 years the civil rights division of the department of justice i think got 11 convictions in cases of attacks or threats against uh, places of worship and um, and some hate crimes against individuals because of their religious beliefs and they're launching new efforts and new websites uh, for this but it, it was a long uh, struggle, and there have been a number of individual cases on campuses that were important. But uh, this this sort of enshrines it in this in this legislation, then gives the Department of Education the vehicle to to pursue the campuses where it's not. And unfortunately, there are many campuses, including in New York City, where university administrations are not acting sufficiently against anti-Semitism, and uh, too often are in denial or or just disrespect of it, meaning that they it's not because they're hostile, but because they they either don't want to get involved or they're afraid or they they don't like the reaction and they're you know you, and the student groups that then sue them or or protest right. um, it's it's uh, this this legislation I think will help at least put the markers down. Even the uh, serious academic never Trumpers uh, acknowledge. I mean, I'm talking about the serious ones. Acknowledge what he's done for Israel and. And the Jewish community at large, and and you're standing there at that party. I assume thinking the same thing that, despite some of the things I'm sure you don't like about the president, like any president, uh, it is pretty remarkable all the things that he's done for our community. And he, you know, he cataloged those a number of the steps that he's taken. But I will tell you something, and I think I mentioned this uh, to people you know that um, we stood there, and there was the U.S. military band playing "I Have a Little Dreidel." But <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "What a great country!" <laughs> you know, to see uh, to see them playing Mosur and and uh, the recognition of of uh, the Jewish community. Yeah. And there has to be a karsatob. You can have whatever disagreements you you may want, but yep. there has to be. Recognition when there is good done, 
and to express appreciation for it. By the way, we, we need every tool in, in our kit now to fight anti-Semitism. By the way, we were shocked about the timing of the party. Can we make Hanukkah a three-week celebration? Would that be a good idea? <laughs> we couldn't afford it. It's America's. That's a very good point. America's one and only Jew. He, Malcolm obviously knows about my donut and latke budget. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network. And, of course, in the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. You know, my grandmother gave out Hanukkah gelt on only one night, Malcolm, only one night of Hanukkah. You know, now people think they get a gift every single night. And that was what you were alluding to with the, with the big budget if Hanukkah would be even longer. Um, and, you know, by the way, did I ever tell you this? Did I ever tell you which night of Hanukkah it was that my grandmother gave gifts? Did I ever mention Those Hanukkah? I don't know. Yeah, so most people guess either the first or the eighth. But, in fact, it was the fifth. Because it was the only night that could not be on Shabbos. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, very nice. Yeah. And, it, and by the way, her yard site ended up being on the fifth night of Hanukkah. Boy, oh boy. Mm. I'll tell you. I got plenty of sure info. there's a message there. Uh, yes, that's for sure. I got plenty of info for you on this one, Malcolm. Let me tell you. Tell us about Great Britain in general. Uh, you mentioned, of course, the overwhelming victory in terms of the conservative side. Uh, vis-a-vis Israel, though, and it's interesting to watch, uh, Israeli media, I think really from both political ends, you know, being pretty happy with the results of the election. Do you, do you foresee anything one way or the other in terms of the future of British-Israeli relations? I think it's a very positive. I've, I can't even imagine what would have happened if Corbyn, God forbid, had gotten elected. Wow. And thank God he is leaving politics. It's not soon enough, but he is leaving politics. Um, and, and you know, he was personally accused of, of more than a dozen incidents that people testified of his personal anti-Semitic actions, and that there were perhaps th- uh, hundreds and certainly maybe even thousands of incidents reported to the Commission on Equality and whatever in, in Great Britain about acts by within the Labor Party. Uh, scores of officials testified, testified to that effect, meaning under oath to, to the... Um, Equality and Human Rights uh, Commission about anti-Semitic incidents. So this is a very important message. Uh, and as you know, uh, Netanyahu met with Johnson. It was going to Britain. He didn't, but they met with him, and they've been they've had a good relationship. Right. Uh, there's no lessons to be derived in terms of what will happen anywhere else. But it's a, it's a much better in- outcome for Israel. Very important. And having a friend in Europe, where too often we see the anti-Israel bias still manifests uh, viciously. Yeah, no question about that. All right. Uh, the big story from um, uh, the other side of the world, though, with everything that's been going on, is obviously what's going to be happening on March the 2nd of 2020. Uh, it is official now. March the 2nd will be the date of the uh, next election in Israel. By the way, I don't know if you heard this. I heard a rumor. Well, first I heard that the election was supposed to be March 10th, and that ends up being Purim, so it had to be moved. But then... When they when they first proposed to move it a week later, apparently that was the yard site of some great Rebbe that everyone, everyone that many people traveled to outside of Israel on that date, and the Haredi parties were worried about losing a significant number of votes for whoever they would be backing, and therefore it ended up being uh, vetoed, and they moved the election back to March second. Did you hear that? Did you hear that account? No, you didn't hear that. I, 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 it may be true. But yeah, I, 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 I remember I, hearing. It. Based on my sources, trust me, it's true, and I, I found that to be remarkable, frankly. But I guess it does tell you uh, about some of the influence that certain parties have, 
when it comes to Israel uh, or Israeli politics. All right, so March 2nd. You know, they've done it in the past when Labor Party, because their people travel during the summer, that uh, elections were put off uh, to accommodate uh, the needs of the different parties, so you maximize the vote. Right. They want as many people as possible to be in Israel. Simple as that. Absolutely. Um, all right. T- tell us about March 2nd. Uh, there's a deal on the table, at least according to some sources, that if Prime, that Prime Minister Netanyahu can exchange a pardon for resignation and that everyone, including Gantz and Lieberman, support that. Is Netanyahu's name going to be at the head of the Likud party, who have their primary, I believe, coming up in two weeks? Is his name going to be at the top of the party? Is it possible he'll leave politics now? What do you think in terms of who will be on the ballot March the 2nd? It will be March the 2nd, and we'll know. Uh, Gidon Sar clearly is mounting a, a challenge. There may be others. Um, there's a lot of speculation about behind-the-scenes discussions. Uh, people thought that it would work out, and as did I, that in the last minute they would come up with something, because they know the voters do not want this election. They're going to face the wrath of the voters, maybe disinterest in the voters. Uh, maybe Lieberman will pay a price, others will. The rumor is that there, was, there wasn't even a backroom conversation in the last 48 hours, nothing. It wasn't because they, I mean, they've had these negotiations now going on for months, as you know, and uh, there was probably very little to talk, but we saw already the internal divisions where Gantz said he won't, have a rotation with Lapid this time, the um, uh, and we have to see whether different parties can unite. They, they will face a very um, skeptical and uh, I think uh, challenging constituency because people are tired of it. And I think Netanyahu obviously is the focus now because of legal problems, because of BB fatigue, as they call it, because of all the other things. And yet, at the same time, they all say he's the only guy who can lead. Uh, the country. He's probably not the only guy, but he certainly has proven and has a record, and, and people will you know, look at that. So we'll have to see, and don't go by pollsters now. As we know, traditionally, it's not an indication, a valid indication of where things are at or will be at. Uh, and many people make the decision when they go into that uh, voting booth. First, we have to see if they could uh, if it's a successful maneuver or some internal arrangement, uh, people say Netanyahu is just waiting to get immunity from prosecution yeah. or something. So what those a shake are all up question that would be. marks uh, that will have to be addressed first. Could you imagine if he left this race? You know what kind of shake up that would be? I don't think people realize. What, well, the rest of the Likud list would stay, and yeah, I mean, would, I think you'd have a lot of internal tensions because there are different people who see themselves as possible but inheritors. But so many of the politically right-wing voters in Israel are just Bibi supporters. They they couldn't care less who else is around. They're just, I mean, you, you hear this from all these Israelis. Yeah, but, yeah, but they have to make a choice. It's, they either don't vote or they, they, they have make a choice. I if think they it do would. Vote I think between it the parties, and they have to make see. It could be that people will move back towards the right-wing parties, the smaller ones. Right. There are a lot of ma- uh, possibilities, but this is all speculative now. And uh, and and w- will there be a result that? I mean, I know you can't predict, but I'm just saying: is there any more likelihood of there being a result with a real government being formed compared to what happened in the first two elections? Is it possible? Uh, why, why not be? vastly different, but maybe enough that they that they create a coalition with the um, or then Netanyahu steps away if he sees a poor result or that they, they form a coalition, a unity government, uh, to, to get to the 61 votes. It, it could be that blue and white picks up seats. It could be that the right will pick up seats as a collective block. 
it's all unpredictable. This is it's it's uh, it's a long time away, and many things look they they look at the region. Given the the threats that exist right now, we see the missile strength of Iran. We see them moving missiles into Iraq and into Syria. We see that the, along the Golan, the, the you know any kind of a, of a, some sort of match will can light this tinderbox uh, in the north and the south. Uh, that the the um, the challenges that Israel faces, that Iran's nuclear program is in, is advancing, that the uh, Europeans. Uh, you know, no matter what, at one hand, are are caught in their pro JCPOA deal and and talk about sanctions and talk about other things, and at the same time, they don't want to do it. They don't want to appear to give in to what the U.S. did, and they of course want to trade. So they're pushing Instex, which is a uh, to, to bypass the American uh, ban on on their participation in SWIFT, the, the Iranian banks. Um, but at the same time, the the instex will come under U.S. sanctions, so they they better make you know look at this much more carefully. But we're really seeing very serious challenges within Iran that uh, are continuing to destabilize the situation. Meaning that the demonstrations go on, but nobody talks about it. There's a fight between the supreme leader, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, and Rouhani. There are real divisions. You see that they're all running to the religious leaders to get the brachot from them and to associate that that the uh, Palestinians are talking about going to an election, which also could have a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, implications and, and members of the EU pushing for recognition of a Palestinian uh, state again. The the. Uh, the sanctions now being applied to Mahan Air and to Iran shipping. I mean, all the time, these new um, uh, sanctions, Iran is near economic collapse. And I talk to people inside the country, and we see what, what you know, the, how the popular uh, demonstrations are, are continuing. More than a 1,000 people were killed. Where's the resolutions to the UN and the outcry about it? This was much bigger than any of the demonstrations till now, since 79. And, and I don't think people appreciate how widespread the dissatisfaction is and the opportunities we have and why the West should be doing more to help the people inside Iran, because that's the way that you can get real change. Uh, what about Erdogan in Turkey? Is this a challenge now uh, politically going to affect his uh, uh, power in that region? Well, he was challenged, as you know, in the elections in Istanbul, and uh, but 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 the um, the real movement with uh, Erdogan is his deal with Libya, and the declaration of a joint maritime the connection between Libya, which is 400 miles across the Mediterranean from Turkey, and they're claiming all of this jointly as their zone, which means that it it will prevent Israel from building the pipeline to Greece. It means that they were they are challenging Cypri- uh, uh, Greek Cypriot uh, claims and, and economic um, um, zone that it has a broad implications. It could lead to all our conflict. I mean, this is very serious, and we know that they've shipped weapons into northern Cyprus to the Turkish half of uh, of the island, and um, and now are applying for recognition from the UN from the agencies that have to recognize this uh, this new arrangement that they worked out. Which obviously, I think the Europeans and Israel, the Greeks, the Cyp- Cypriots, everybody will oppose strongly. Egypt as well, by the way, because it interferes with their. Uh, economic zone, uh, which is the, the, the distance that they claim from their border as their territorial waters. So here they're claiming as territorial waters the whole Mediterranean across 
from Libya to think, which means that they can't, you can't explore. This is exploitation, not exploration on their part. They are drilling now in areas that are claimed by Cyprus. So it's a very delicate situation. You have another one in the negotiation between Sudan, Egypt, Ethiopia over the dam there or on the Nile, which also could become a conflict situation. There are efforts to negotiate. There's a meeting coming up soon. Uh, hopefully that, that can be resolved. But the, the Turkey is becoming more and more aggressive along the lines of, of Iran, and we see it around the world, but this is the most blatant example now. And it's funny because you forget sometimes just how many countries and leaders of those countries want to be number one in the Middle East. And that whole effort, you know, depending on who's positioning, you know, and, and the way they're doing it, you know, it's something so vital to keep in mind. And we talk about Israel's future and, and the, the countries around them, you know, uh, one of the keys to the future of the entire region is, is going to be who's going to be more effective in trying to control the entire Middle East, or at least in the effort to control the entire Middle East. And obviously Turkey and Iran are, are, are perfect examples of that. And that's why the countries have to unite. You saw the, the chief rabbi of Jerusalem was in Bahrain, right. met with the king, was received in a Muslim conference. I was with him in Baku, where we both addressed the World Muslim Leader Conference. Um, this time nobody walked out when I spoke, or he spoke, and he was introduced as chief rabbi of Quds, and the Turks were there, the Iranians were there. Nobody walked out um, because they saw that the rest of the crowd w- was sitting there and applauded. And um, the, 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 so there are, it's not all negative, but there are real challenges to, to virtually every government. You see it in Jordan, you see the others that almost everybody is today facing very serious um, challenges in, in um, I don't think there's a single country that isn't today. And we see Hezbollah, the buildup, the new missiles, the equipment that Iran is sending in to, to Iraq and short-range missiles that threaten U.S. bases in, in Saudi Arabia, it threatens Israel, it threatens um, all of our troops everywhere in Syria. And they boast about the fact that they're the first, fourth, biggest missile power, and that they could rain 100,000 missiles from Hezbollah, Gaza, from uh, Iraq. The Iraqi people don't like it. They're protesting. They're saying, don't use our grounds. And they had to send in leaders of the IRGC. It's not helping. There's still strong <coughs> public uh, expressions against Iran, both in, in Lebanon and in, in Iraq over the last few days. In Lebanon, uh, leaders said that um, the threat by uh, the IRG, the Hezbollah leaders that would Iranian-backed that w- they would attack Israel from Lebanon, and they're saying, "Oh no, you're not," and you, and called it ridiculous, very strong language in condemning what they said. So it's very it, there are, are a lot of things happening. It doesn't get any press because everybody's so absorbed with the, what's going on in Congress. Um, uh, these are very serious issues and require. A unified stand, and also for Israel to be to be able to be focused on these security issues. Yeah, and without a <laughs> without anybody at the helm, it's also a problem. That's why I, I still say the president of Israel, uh, in light of what's going to be happening March second, has no choice if there's another deadlock but to put his foot down and insist that you know nobody leaves this room until there's a deal. I mean, could you imagine if they went to a fourth election? I mean, th- this is no, got, I can't imagine. It. Th- this You're has right. this and, has got to be it. Yeah. And he and by the way, this is a little bit. A little bit of a uh, a criticism of his leadership because I don't know if that shouldn't have been done in this case. He did try. He did. He convened the parties. He brought them together. He tried until the end. Uh, uh, he, he did it quietly sometimes, but he did it publicly, and he publicly called for 
a unity government. He publicly called the parties together. He had Netanyahu and Gantz in his office several times. There were pictures of them together there. But he can't force it. Yeah, I guess not. Except, again, for that strategy. No one leaves the room till there's a deal. Uh, Malcolm, I know you're in a rush. I thank you for your time. We'll speak again next week, Bezrat Hashem. Have a good Shabbos. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Don't forget, especially when it comes to the Israeli election, but obviously with anything having to do with Israel, uh, we offer the best, and that's Mayor Weingarten, every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Every network around the world is jealous of us that he's exclusive to NSN. We barely lend him out. (laughs) Anyway, the bottom line is, if you want insight that no one else has into the Israeli election and to other items that are going on uh, regarding Israel, especially tidbits like I just mentioned on the air about why the election is March 2nd, uh, then tune in Mondays, 9 a.m., Mayor Weingarten with the Israel Show right after JM and the AM here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Speaking of Monday, 6.13, expected in studio Monday morning at 8 o'clock. 6.13, visiting us is coming Monday morning. We're looking forward to that. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nahum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayishlach. Parshas Vayishlach is a very rich parsha, full of different actions and helpful to us in once again forming the formation and foundation of our peoplehood. Yaakov Avinu, after 20 years away, is coming back to Eretz Yisrael. He's afraid of his brother Esav, and he prepares in three ways for him. He Doron, the Torah tells us of the extensive present that he sends for Esav. Tefillah, the prayer that he prays in his time of Sakana. And Muhammad prepares for war, teaching us that a Jew has to do his hishtadlus. You have to do yours. And the rest you leave up to Hashem. I'd like to focus this morning on one pasuk in the parsha, a pivotal, very important parsha, and to try to glean from it at least two and maybe three different important lessons. The pasuk is found in chapter 32, pasuk 25. It's even been made into a song. The Pasuk reads, Vayivaser Yaakov Levado. Yaakov was left alone. Vayavek Ish Imo. And a man wrestled with him. Ad Alos Hashachar. Until the break of dawn. And the Torah does not identify who this man was. As we'll see, Rashi tells us that, quoting the Bereshis Rabbah, chapter 77, and the Tanhuma, paragraph 8, that this was the Tsar of Esau, that each nation has its guardian angel, and this was the guardian angel of 
Esav disguised as a man. So Yaakov was wrestling with a supernatural power. And the Torah tells us a few verses later that he, the attacker, was not able to uh, prevail over him. And what do we find? That what he does is he strikes Yaakov in the area of the hip. He causes the sinew in the hip to be dislodged. And so the Torah tells us that to this day we are not to eat the Gidanoshe, the sinew by the hip, in a kosher animal, ad hayom hazeh, to this very day, kinoga b'chaf yerech Yaakov, because Yaakov was hit and injured in that area. Now, I'd like to share with you the commentary of the Sefer HaChinuch, and you should know that in the entire book of Bereshis, there are but three mitzvos, and this is the third. The first mitzvah is found in Bereshis, and that is the mitzvah of Pruvu, procreation, having children. The second mitzvah is found at the end of Lech Lecha, and that is the mitzvah of circumcision, bris milah. And now comes the third and final mitzvah found in the book of Bereshis, and that is not to eat the Gira Now, I'd like to share with you the insight of the Sefer HaChinuch, who, in his work, analyzes each of the 613 mitzvos, and in each and every case tries to present what he calls Mishorshei HaMitzvah, was at the root, the foundation, to help us understand this mitzvah. And he says that this mitzvah of our abstaining from eating this part of the animal, it shall be a strong reminder to the Jewish people that even though they will suffer many challenges, difficulties, and persecution throughout the exiles from the nations and specifically from the descendants of Esav, we are to be bituchim, we're to be assured, guaranteed, shalom yovdu, that the Jewish people will, God forbid, never be destroyed, but rather Le'olam forever, Ya'amod, we will stand firm, Zaram Ushmam, our progeny, Jewish children, Jewish people, and our uh, identity, and that there will be a Redeemer to come and redeem us from those who are constantly trying to annihilate us. And Bizikram Tamid Inyonze, 
when we will remember this constantly, this will strengthen our faith and our strong belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then he tells us once again that who was this person fighting? The Tsar of Esav, who wanted to literally uproot Yaakov from this world. And he was injured in the area of procreation, as the Ramban on this Pasuk teaches us, that throughout the night, throughout the long exile, Jewish children are going to be lost either by assimilation or by, God forbid, persecution. And as, unfortunately, just two days ago or a few days ago this week in Jersey City, this is what we unfortunately experience much too often in Golos, but we are assured and we are promised, Ubasov Tielahem Chua Mehem. At the end, there will be relief from our enemy. And just as the Torah tells us that Vayizrach Lo Hashemesh, the Torah tells us in verse 32, a few verses later, that the sun rose for Yaakov. Yaakov is a symbol of the entire nation. So too, Cain, Yizrach Lano Hashemesh, Shel Moshiach. So too, please God, the son of Moshiach will rise, and he will heal us from our pains and afflictions, and redeem us, please God, speedily in our day. Amen. This is such a beautiful, powerful teaching of the Sefer Achinuch on the third mitzvah, and I really believe mitzvah lefarasein. It's a mitzvah to remind and teach people this. And that's why, not by chance, Parshas Fayishlach, if there are two Shabbos Hanukkah, is read on the Shabbos before Hanukkah. This year, one Shabbos Hanukkah, it's read two weeks before Hanukkah. It's already providing the foundation of reminding us that even though there were Rabim Biyad Ma'atim, even though there were so many of the Greeks and Syrians against the few Hashmonoyim, we prevailed. This is the Gid Hanoshe. This is the first part of the Pasuk that I want to share with you. But I'd like to share with you as well a second interpretation which comes from the Gemara in Chulin, page 91a, whereby the Rebbe Loza understands when it says, Vayivaser Yaakov Levado, Yaakov was left alone. Why was he left alone? He went back for he remembered Pachim Ketanim, small incidental things that he left behind. Okay? Pictures, little things that he might have left behind. And therefore the rabbis say something incredible. 
Mikan, from here we learn, Lisadikim, regarding the righteous, Yosir Migufam, that their money, their possessions are even more important than their body, meaning Yaakov put himself at risk, and indeed he was mugged by his going back for. Why might he have gone back for, quote, incidentals? Comes along the teachings of the Lakute Torah by Reb Chaim Vital, who says in the name of his Rebbe, the Arizal, something so powerful, and that is, there's nothing incidental. If Hashem gives us various kalim, various utensils, it's because this is what we need. And if this is what we need to fulfill our individual potential, then that's what Yaakov went back for, out of his trust in God, out of his understanding that it's not by chance that I have what I have, and therefore whatever I have, I have to use to that ultimate. And therefore, like the Gemara teaches in Sota, that 40 days before conception, they announce Havlad, they regarding before the, excuse me, the uh, formation of the embryo, 40 days before, they announce Basco goes out, a voice, Bas Ploni Leploni, that so-and-so is going to marry so-and-so. But at the same time, Sode Ploni Leploni, this field is going to go there. They announce upstairs who needs what in terms of a mate, in terms of fulfilling their potential, in terms of a field, in terms of even, forgive me, Pachim Ketanim. So the answer is there's no such thing as Pachim Ketanim because the fact that God wants you to have it, it's important. And this is what each person has to look at themselves and say, God gave me this talent. Whatever talent Hashem gave you, you might consider it incidental, but it's not. We have to be appreciative thereof, and we have to make sure that we use it in the right way in giving it back, quote-unquote, to Him. And this idea of Pachem Ketanim can be, to a great extent, understood if we look upon these Pachim Ketanim like a medallion. The medallion that one receives from a king might not intrinsically be worth so much money, but, whoa, whoa, look what it represents. It represents the fact that I am important to the king, and the king shows his importance that I am important to him through this medallion. So too, these are the pachim ketanim. These are the gifts that Hashem has given us, and that's what makes them important, because they were given to you personally from Hashem. And interestingly, that here too, our abstaining from eating the Gira Nasha, something which, okay, it's challenging. We have to get a professional who knows how he's to do it, to do the nikur, to go and to remove the um, gid. And that's why in certain parts we simply abstain from eating you know, the hindquarter of the animal. The question is, we can't understand just as we can't understand why we were given these things. But they have to be important because we have to have a usage to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So too, the Chinuch is teaching us that our abstaining from eating the Gira Nasheh, unbelievable. 
is going to contribute, please God, to the coming of Moshiach. And this is a very important point. One last thing that comes out with this is the following, that the Torah is teaching us how to um, face the Nisoyon, the test of wealth in Golos, that too often Jews flaunt their wealth. And that, unfortunately, as we know, arouses the envy and enmity of the Jew. And therefore, one should realize that when and if Hashem gives us gifts, we're not to quote-unquote flaunt it. We're to use it in the way in which He wants us to have it, but not in a way that, God forbid, can cause problems for the Jew and the Jewish community. Parshas Vayishlach is such an important parsha, not only for heads of state, that the Midrash teaches throughout Jewish history when Jewish leaders visited the heads of other governments, they studied Vayishlach, and most recently in our day, when the late Prime Minister Menachem Begin, Zechrona Levracha, visited Anwar Sadat, before that historic meeting, he was told by Rav Moshe Feinstein, by Rav Salavechik, by the late Lubavitcher Rebbe, by all of them, that he should study Parshas Vayishlach. There's something in Parshas Vayishlach for all of us. And let's remember, there's optimism and there's great responsibility because there's no such thing as Pachim Ketanim. These Pachim Ketanim are really gedolim. They're especially important because they come from on high. Shabbat Shalom to all. JM in the AM. Thank you, Rabbi Yudin. Friday morning broadcast. JM in the AM for this December the 13th, the 15th of Kislev. We stand 10 days away from the big holiday of Hanukkah with candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach 408 in New York. 408, make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, don't forget, 613 will be in studio this coming Monday right here at JM in the AM. We're looking forward to greeting and welcoming 613 into our studio with our, their brand new music for Hanukkah. Uh, Sunday, Matis is on live with JM Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. That happens uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel. And uh, don't forget, all day today, amazing programming at 9 o'clock right after JM and the AM. It's Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. Her guests include Joy Wilson of Joy of Cakes, Jamie Geller, who will speak about J-Chef Kosher Meal Kits, the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zomik is at 10 a.m., brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem all day long, until candlelighting. Keep it on NSN all day long. Simple as that. And you'll be glad you did. Uh, well, um, uh, back at the beginning of uh, December, we heard this terrible news of a car accident that took place in Israel and claimed the lives of um, members of the uh, of the Rimmel family. And uh, you may recall that there was a uh, a connection to um, to Chicago, um, family members originally from Chicago, and and a tremendous outpouring from the worldwide Jewish community because this was a couple 
uh, well-known to many, and uh, family and friends really got out there asking people to help support this family in every way possible in the aftermath of this terrible tragedy. Uh, the mother in this uh, terrible episode was uh, Tsipi Rimmel, who was killed in that accident, and her three-week-old uh, Noam as well. Uh, the Rimmel's family's uh, son, Itai, was critically injured in the crash, which happened on his 12th birthday. And the father, Ephraim, who was originally listed as uh, seriously wounded, had his condition escalated to critical while being treated in the hospital. And um, uh, the funeral at that time for Tsipi and Noam was held in, the ho- in their hometown of Nevei Suf in the western Binyamin region. And from Nevei Suf at the moment... On our phone line is Batsheva Adamit, a uh, friend of the Rimmel family. There is a way for all of us, everybody listening right now, to help the Rimmel family who are going through this terrible uh, uh, period of time. Uh, There's a way that we could help them, and we'll explain exactly how that works here on JM in the AM. Batsheva Adamit, shalom, and thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me, Nahum. I appreciate it very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a shame it's under these circumstances. The um, uh, the uh, those who knew uh, and who know uh, the Rimmel family have been, uh, aside from the devastation that that people like yourself have suffered through, uh, have been telling us through so many different uh, avenues, the media, um, uh, uh, personal calls, etc. What type of family this is. And um, and and therefore, just how tragic this episode uh, was and continues to be for the family. Could you give us, uh, from your perspective, Batsheva, as a family friend, could you describe to us the Rimmel family um, and uh, and uh, what you know of them in uh, your experience with them over these uh, over these years? Sure thing. Uh, I will definitely try, although I know I won't do it justice. <clears throat> the Rimmel family. Is an exceptional family. Uh, the parents, Ephraim's parents, live here in the Yishuv as well. Ephraim uh, grew up here. <laughs> and uh, Ephraim married Tippi, who's not originally from here, but they decided to establish their lives here. Their whole lives, the parents included, and Ephraim and Tippi, they are educators par excellence. They are Torah teachers. They are givers of the community. They are volunteers in every single fashion. They give and give and give of themselves. Um, they both teach weekly Torah shiurim here on the Yeshuv. In addition, that's not their job. In addition to their other jobs, Tippi is also an English teacher here. She was a mentor. She was a college teacher. She was everything. She was everything. And uh, and this is a devastation on so many levels, not just losing Tippi, uh, a powerhouse of a personality, um, but the devastation that of the suffering, in the aftermath of the accident of Ephraim, her husband, who... It's just he's on the board of the of Nevetsuv. He's on the education committee. He is a volunteer, and absolutely, Shuv is is uh, is truly devastated on so many levels. And uh, and we just want to help them in any way that we can because they are our leaders of the community. And it, now it's time to give back when they need. And in addition to the family members that we're citing who were in the car, there are other family members as well, right? Yes, there are three other middle children at home: Leia, Amichai, and Harel nine years old, seven years old, and three years old, all who are not in the car, thank God, and they are currently being cared for by Tippi's parents who 
are the new residents of Nevesuf moved into their daughter Tippy's house and are currently raising children until Ephraim will be able to hopefully come home. Do we do we know Ephraim's condition at the moment, or is that something that uh, changes? Ephraim's uh, condition, he, um, he went through stomach surgery, he went through back surgery, his spinal cord was partially severed. Um, we're doing a lot of davening. We're hoping for a lot of miracles. It's looking like likely paralysis, but we're uh, amongst other severe injuries. So right now, we don't even know what the medical conditions will be. The doctors themselves don't really know. They're taking it one day at a time. He's still sedated and intubated in the hospital. And uh, and it's scary. We're just davening really hard. It's minutes before Shabbat in Nevei Tzuf, and Batsheva Adamit is with us live via telephone. Now, JGive, which is a website, jgive.com, has a fund taking care of the Rimmel children. Rimmel is R-I-M-E-L. Taking care of the Rimmel children. They have raised um, of their $1.4 million goal. Uh, they have raised um, uh, $881,000, and close to 10,000 people have already donated. Um, I, I don't even think, uh, Batsheva, we need to explain why these types of funds are needed. We're literally talking about a family who now have no mother and whose father is in this very questionable medical situation, who knows what the future brings, as you just described. Um, uh, and they need support. They need financial support and money to be put away in order for that support to take place. So we're asking everybody around the world who is touched by this story and who woke up that uh, it, was, it was a Saturday night, the accident. Am I right? Was it a Saturday night? Correct. So Saturday pe- night, yes. pe- people woke up Sunday to this news and just, you know, we're, we're devastated when you hear we, we didn't know the Rimmels and we were devastated because you hear the type of family they were and the type of, of, of end that two of their uh, family members had. Uh, so anybody who's been touched by this story and anybody who wants to participate, go to jgive.com, jgive.com, search Rimmel, R-I-M-E-L. You'll find the fund that's called Taking Care of the Rimmel Children. And again, they are getting close to their goal, but they, they need more help to get there. Uh, I'm assuming the strange amount is because they're really uh, they're really raising it in Shekel, I would guess. I would assume that's why uh, uh, the dollar amount is a little you know off of a, uh, of a round figure. Um, uh, and everyone can help. Everyone can help and donate now and donate as much as you can to take care of uh, this family and their future. And, uh, Batsheva, I guess that really, that really sums it up, right? Anybody, God forbid, in a situation like this, we know, and there've been unfortunately too many of them. Uh, we know the family simply needs money, money that's, uh, needed now, money that needs to be put away, uh, for their future. And, and frankly, I, I would assume you and other friends of the, uh, Rimmel family are extremely impressed that close to 10,000 people have already participated. We're, we're floored. We're floored. I mean, we know the Koch of Am Yisrael. We know the generous heart that Am Yisrael has, but to see in such a short amount of time how everyone is rallying and everyone is donating is really, um, it's very encouraging, and it's, you know, the slightest bit of nechama right now that we feel. We feel we can't fix what happened in the accident, but the least that we can do is to try and ensure uh, some financial stability for the family with all the things that they're going to face in the future. And the easy link to remember is helprimmel.com. Oh, yeah. Helprimmel.com will take you directly to the JGIF site. So, uh, sorry about that. I meant anybody? To, <laughs> sorry about that. I meant to mention that, and that has to be emphasized because it is a much easier way to get there. Helprimmel.com. Helprimmel, R-I-M-E-L.com. Helprimmel.com. That is the easiest way to get to the JGIV page.
page that's dedicated now to raising the $1.4 million that is needed for the Rimmel family. So again, it's helprimmel.com. That's the easiest way to do it. Go ahead, Batshev. I interrupted you. No, it's fine. I just wanted to say, uh, aside from thank you, um, if everyone can please you know, donate, anybody who's touched by the story, anybody who feels that they've had um, an, a mentor in their life, a role model in their life who has impacted their life so greatly, that's who the Rimmels are. If you've been impacted in that way at all, then uh, then please act, please help on behalf of those people. And, um, and thank you so much. If you can donate and if you can help us spread the word. We've been spreading the word and running the campaign in Israel, and we feel that we've gone down every avenue we can. We need help on the other side of the world, and it's a powerful world over there, and we appreciate and cherish anything you can do. But Sheva, we can only imagine what the family and the extended family is going through. What are the friends in uh, Nevet Suf going through? You know, last uh, week, a woman named El Shevach, who her husband, Rabbi Raziel Shevach, he was murdered in a terrorist attack two years ago. She came. She came on Sunday night, which is the night that Sippy usually gives the shear, to come give us the very look. She came to strengthen us. She said she wanted to come and meet the strong people of Nevei Suf, and she called us the invisible mourners. You know, the family, they fit Shiva. People come and visit them and show their love and support. The friends are the invisible mourners who aren't necessarily heard as much, and she really gave us the platform to express ourselves. It was unbelievable, and it definitely was a, a, a night of chizuk. So we're all grieving. We're grieving a tremendous amount, not just the loss of a, of a pillar of our community, um, but on a personal level, the loss of one of my closest friends in the world, and to watch the suffering that's now in, in uh, you know, yep. happening. And uh, so we're definitely in a state of true grief, uh, trying to raise each other up. And one of the best of the best, Rimmel, was taken from this world. And so we just, our responsibility is to fill that void, that void with, with the best of the best. Yeah, no question about it. Helprimmel.com, everybody. That's the site where you can help out and uh, make a difference. Helprimmel.com. Dot com and uh, I I thank you Batsheva and I wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, thank you very very much but, for a, having me. A pleasure, Batsheva Adamit from the Veit Suf, the Rimmel Family Fund. Very simple, very simple, and give what you can, help achieve the goal. And yes, uh, as uh, Batsheva said, this side of the world could be really effective when it comes to fundraising, especially in situations like this. Helprimmel.com, Help Rimmel, R I M E L. Com. More coming up. You're listening to a Friday morning Erev Shabbos edition of JM in the AM as we continue here at the Nahum Single Network.
JM in the AM with Isaac B. Tone and Company. Summer Nafshi here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Achenu Bishon, Achim brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web at AchimSingle.com and the AchimSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Oh, yes. Wraps up a great week here at JMAM. Thanks so much for tuning in. More coming up. Naomi Nachman is next with Table for Two with Joy Wilson of Joy of Cakes and Jamie Geller to talk about J-Chef Kosher Meal Kits. Uh, 10 a.m. for the Arab Shabbat Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Harry Rothenberg video blog coming up at 1 o'clock. Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by Kedem coming up this afternoon all the way until candlelighting time. Saturday night, single tomorrow night. And, of course, Matas with JM Sunday live this coming Sunday morning. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend till Monday with 6.13 in studio. Nahum Single reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.